0: Today on Truth in Politics and Culture, we will talk about the dangers of marijuana use. The World Economic Forum is lectured by a world leader and a conservative policy leader. A new poll out of New Hampshire is causing the fat lady to break out in song, and Congress averts a government shutdown while kicking a can of major problems down the road. This is Dr. Tony Beam, and it's time to crank it up. Good morning, everybody! If you're watching live on YouTube and on uh, Facebook, we appreciate it very much. Thanks for joining the program. Please help us promote the show by telling other people about it. We're still a growing show here on the internet, and uh, happy to do so. This is uh, Friday, by the way. It's back patting day. Reach around, pat yourself on the back, and say you made it to the weekend. Just got to get to five o'clock, and that's a piece of cake, right? I mean, everybody can do that. Maybe you're leaving a little bit early today. Some people get off at. Noon on Friday, which is kind of cool, uh, gives you a little bit longer of a weekend stretch. All right, a lot of stuff to talk about on the program today, so I think we're going to pretty much dive right in. I'm looking for the story down here. I'm, you know, it would it would make sense, right? If if I could just pull up the story during the introduction that I'm I'm going to do first, so that I could talk about, I could be ready to talk about it instead of having to hunt it after we get the introduction out of the way okay, one of these days I'm going to get my act together and uh, it'll be, that'll be good. By the way, <clears throat> let me take a minute. Every now and then we, we get new listeners and followers of the program all the time. And so every now and then I like to kind of talk about what, we're, what I'm trying to accomplish here because it's a little bit different than what you would say a normal podcast is. Mo- look, most podcasting um, when it relates to politics and culture, is an effort to go out and find these bombshell stories and to really exaggerate them, to um, you know say a lot of, for lack of a better term, red meat things, things that make conservatives get excited. You know, I, this is this is a conservative show. Um, I'm a born again Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm politically conservative. Uh, I'm religiously, spiritually, theologically conservative, um, you know, and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I had a 22-year run on the radio on a morning show here in the Greenville-Spartanburg-Anderson area of South Carolina, Um, and when my producer retired and decided to um, spend retirement at the beach, something that I envy him for, uh, I was texting with him yesterday, and it sounds like they're, I mean, retirement's pretty good. At the beach. Sounds pretty nice. Um, but, you know, so when, when he retired, then the station made the decision, okay, we're, we're going to get away from talk radio because talk radio is really not what we do. We do music, uh, all their other FM frequencies. They had two FM frequencies dedicated to talk radio. All the rest of their FM frequencies are dedicated to Christian music, and they do a great job at that. I mean, you know, his radio in the upstate here is just a powerhouse And of course, you get the His Radio Network, and you've got hundreds of thousands, if not a million people listening um, at any given time. So I'm not being critical of the station for making that decision. I understand that. I mean, it makes sense. Music is what they do, primarily. And ministry. I mean, there's great ministry coming out of His Radio uh, because of the music and because of the people who care about the people who are listening. I know those people. Very well, and I can tell you. Well, my wife is one of them. She works for his radio, and but I can tell you about those pe- the people that work there. Alan Henderson, who's the station manager, um, Rob Dempsey, who uh, does all the programming and 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 does the morning show. Um, it, the his they are people who are genuinely committed to Christ, and they care about listeners. I mean, they care. They they operate a, a prayer line. Um, whoever you get on the phone there is going to slow down if you're having some type of issue and, and try to minister to you. And I appreciate that very much. So no, no harm, no foul. Um, but I decided it it was, I didn't want to just throw in the towel. I mean, you do something for 22 years, um, you kind of want to keep it going if you can. So, um, I had a couple of people that believe in me that helped me get the equipment that I needed to come here into my uh, very stylish dining room, which I'm sitting at one end of the dining room table where we have all our kids and grandkids come in for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, it's a great atmosphere for me. And of course, behind me, i've I've had people ask me, what is the what are the pictures? And they obviously, one. I have two daughters. Uh, my son's wedding picture over here is over here on another wall. But I have two daughters and a daughter-in-law, and those are their wedding pictures, uh, portraits, wedding portraits that are behind me. So um, you know. I, so what I try to do here, um, I, I work at North Greenville University, where Christ makes the difference, and where we're equipping transformational leaders for the church and society every day, uh, turning out a generation of young people who not only have conservative values, but have a bedrock of Christian faith that undergirds the values that they are picking up from an incredible faculty. I mean, not only the values, but the knowledge. I mean, North Greenville University's faculty is second to none. Uh, We just welcomed Hunter Baker as our new provost. Um, And the the good news is, is, (laughs) is that Nathan Finn, the person who was provost, is staying at North Greenville. He didn't go anywhere. He just stepped into the world of teaching and writing and influencing, which is a great thing for the Christian community because of his incredible background and his wisdom and his knowledge. And then we get Hunter Baker, a guy who is incredibly engaged and involved in the culture, but also focused on the academic side of that. We need leaders in our society that are grounded, in conservative values, understand, uh, and, and are also grounded in the truth as presented in God's word. And that's what we're doing every day. They understand how those things come together to create a worldview so that they can be influencers in the direction of culture. They, they can make decisions in the business world, in the te- world of teaching, in a lot of different areas, and, and certainly in pulpits across uh, South Carolina and across America. They make decisions that aid in human flourishing because they're grounded in our crea- in the word that comes from our creator. So anyway, that's and then I, I serve as a policy consultant for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, which means while the legislature is in session, I spend uh, at least a couple of days a week down in Columbia um, talking to lawmakers, making connections, trying to get legislation passed that is good for South Carolina and trying to stop some of the legislation that I think is not good. We're going to talk about some of that today. So that's basically who I am. And I talk about, I was a pastor for 14 years before I went to North Greenville University to start the Christian Worldview Center. I've served at North Greenville almost 20 years. I was vice president. I was in administrative leadership, vice president of student life, and Christian worldview for a number of years. Taught in the classroom, I taught cults and New Age, um, Old Testament, and Christian worldview. And now, um, you know, I've, for the last several years, I have a sort of a, a carved-out, specialized place for me at North Greenville to be the community face of the university through church and community engagement and public affairs. And I mean, I mean, it's a I'm I'm extremely blessed. I mean, North Greenville is a wonderful place to work, and it's a great place where the values of, of, of Western civilization, of conservative thought, and of conservative theology, and a deep belief in God, a, um, a, a commitment to Scripture, to God's word, God's Word, they all come together <clears throat> to create an environment where we're turning out transformational leaders for the church and society. So anyway, that's uh, that's kind of me. I also serve as interim pastor. I've been interim pastor at 20 different churches in South Carolina um, over the last 20 years. And it's. I just finished an interim pastor at, just a few months ago at Five Forks Baptist Church over in Simpsonville. they got a new pastor. They're doing great. And uh, looking forward, I'm praying that the Lord will open a door for me to do that again. I love to be in the church preaching God's Word. But I also enjoy being... Doing the podcast and being live on YouTube and Facebook and talking about the issues that are before us from a biblical perspective, not only a political perspective, because politics matters. I mean, it's the way we make decisions as a culture, it is uh, as a country, it, it's the way that people come together to engage, to elect our leaders and to make decisions that we're all going to have to live under, pass laws that are going to be life-changing for a lot of people um, because laws shape the way that we live and engage in the culture. And so we it, it's important that we understand the impact of those laws from a biblical perspective, um, particularly as Christians, because we want to honor God, worship, and and. Uh, lift up the name of Jesus Christ first and foremost. We live by faith, not by sight. We 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 walk by faith, not by sight. We don't we we step into the culture as believers first, and then everything that happens politically or anyone any in any other arena, we run all of that through the filter of the Word of God to determine how we're going to respond and how we're going to lead. And I just think it's incredibly important that we have people that talk about these things from a biblical perspective. Now there are people, are there people that do it a lot better than than me? Yeah. I mean, I'll be the first one. John Stone Street uh, breakpoint is a, a great example of people who are doing of someone who is doing an excellent job on a very deep intellectual level of dealing with all these issues the way I do. Um, and I think he does it a lot better than I do, quite frankly. But I think there's a place for what I do, and I hope you're enjoying it. And if you are, help me spread the word about the program. All right, I want to talk about marijuana here for just a little bit uh, because we're going to be talking about medical marijuana once again in South Carolina. Uh, that is, in in my view, in my opinion, medical marijuana is the vampire that we have never been able to vanquish. I mean, we've 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 driven stakes into the heart of the marijuana bill, medical marijuana bill. And uh, every year it comes back, it just, it just in a different form or in the same form, but with a different uh, group of people pushing it. And so the, the only, uh, you know, I, I, if, you told, if you had asked me going into this session, are we going to pass finally medical marijuana in South Carolina? Is the, or, or have we run out of ways to keep this thing from coming? And I would probably have said yes, but i wouldn't have been thinking about the fact that this is an election year so it's possible that the south carolina house in particular but um, you know may not be all that jazzed about passing a bill that's going to well first of all cost millions of dollars we don't, we don't even know how much it's going to cost to have medical marijuana but according to the senator davis's bill s423 we're going to have 270 cannabis pharmacies. We're going to have 30 manufacturing centers, 30, and 15 growing centers. Now, if that sounds like that's a lot for people who, in our state, that may qualify to be able to get a medical marijuana card, to be able to smoke marijuana or to uh, ha- you know, have mar- take marijuana in some form, uh, it is a lot and what it is, and let's just be honest about it. I mean, we, when we talk about these things that are very important, we need to be completely honest about what's really going on here, and that's part of what we, I'm trying to do. I'm convinced, and a lot of other people too, I'm not the only one, but certainly I'm convinced that all of this infrastructure for medical marijuana is simply the red carpet to recreational. That's what's happened in other states, That's what is happening in our state right now. Why do we need 270 cannabis pharmacies, quote? I mean, and these are, these cannabis pharmacies are in quotes because you can't write a prescription. It's still, uh, marijuana is still illegal at the federal level. So you've got to have a marijuana card, and you've got to have a doctor, kind of tangentially involved, that's not really writing a prescription, but is giving a medical marijuana card that gives permission to have X amount of marijuana for a person to use for their personal use for pain, you know, nausea, uh, to mediate nausea, affect the effects of nausea, pain for a lot of people, um, sometimes seizures. That there's there, and and by the way, there are pharmaceutical drugs that are available that are made from CBD oils and parts of the marijuana plant that's not THC. THC is what gets you high and there's it's not the THC really that has the medical benefit it's the CBD and there are drugs available that you can buy I mean you can have a prescription, go to the pharmacy and and get, that, that do the same thing without making you high. Um, so, and, 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 and by the way, according to the CDC, this, this is a direct quote, even though pain management is one of the most common reasons people report for using medical marijuana in the United States, there is limited evidence that marijuana works to treat most types of acute or chronic pain. A few studies have found that marijuana can be helpful in treating neuropathic pain which is a specific type of chronic pain caused by damaged nerves. However, more research is needed to know whether marijuana works better than other options to manage pain. Um, And that, you know, going on here with the CDC information, uh, although some research suggests that states states that legalize marijuana use for medical purposes experience a reduction in opioid prescribing and opioid-related deaths, Other research that examines the impact of medical marijuana policies over a longer period of time indicates marijuana legislation is not associated with decreases in opioid overdose deaths and that prior research findings could be coincidental. You know, the longitudinal, I have a real problem with that word, Longitudinal studies, that, that is, studies over a long period of time, those are the most revealing because you can do a short term study, particularly when you're talking about something like marijuana use, because the effects take a long time uh, over time in order to reveal themselves. And so, the longer when, when you hear arguments in South Carolina for medical marijuana, and I've heard them all in subcommittee hearings, but When you hear that there's research that says that opioid-related deaths decrease when medical marijuana is introduced, you have medical marijuana policies. In the short term, that may be true, but the long-term studies suggest that there is no association in a decrease of opioid overdose deaths and medical marijuana use. So, You know, just keep that in mind when you hear these arguments being made that South Carolina needs to be a medical marijuana state. This 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 article goes on importantly. Using marijuana either alone or in combination with opioids has been shown to increase risk for opioid misuse. Let me say that again: using marijuana either alone or in combination with opioids has been shown to increase risk for opioid misuse. There is no evidence that marijuana works to treat opioid use disorder. FDA approved medications are available to treat that. So this is, you know, a lot of the arguments are being made, that are being made, are, are just not true. And tragically, when you look at the state of Colorado, which has had now recreational use for nine years. I think it's it was nine years ago that voters legalized recreational marijuana in Colorado. Now I know I'm talking. It, it may sound like I'm mixing stories here. And if I was saying, if I was talking to, at a subcommittee meeting in the House of, in the South Carolina House or Senate, that's what I'd be accused of because they'll immediately jump on you if you say anything about recreational marijuana. They want to keep this in the medical marijuana sphere, okay? But, again, 30 manufacturing centers, 15 growing centers, 270 cannabis pharmacies, and millions of dollars, a new division of DHEC. You realize somebody's got to manage all this. Well, that's going to fall under DHEC. Does anybody think DHEC in South Carolina needs something else to do? If you live in South Carolina, you know you know about DHEC. Um. It's, it's a great agency, but I mean, they, they, they're saying grace over a lot of things. And adding medical marijuana to that is going to be difficult. But there's a story that came out, I think it was back in 2021, about a guy named John Stack, who said, you know, who, whose son committed suicide by jumping off of a garage, the top of a garage because of a psychotic incident that that his father, John thinks was brought on by marijuana use. So let me just read a little bit of the story. This is coming to you today from uh, Denver the, I mean it comes from channel 7 in Denver, Tony Kowaleski. and like I said this this story was posted May the 3rd on 2020 in 2021. So it's a couple of years old. Um, but th- this is still, We're going to take a look at some other statistics coming out of Colorado that talks about what has happened since marijuana use has been uh, approved. But John Stack says, quote, we were a normal family. If this can happen to us, it can happen to anyone. We don't want other parents to go through this hell, said wife Laura Stack. The couple's 19-year-old son, Johnny, took his own life on November 20, 2019. John Stack said, I know that marijuana killed my son. It's the worst day of my life, Laura Stack said, remembering the call they got from Douglas County Sheriff's deputies informing them that their son had committed suicide by jumping off an RTD parking garage. John and Laura believe using high-potency marijuana known as dabbing carved their son's path to suicide. He was actually brilliant, Laura said, noting Johnny's 4.0 grade point average and perfect score on the math portion of the SAT, 4.0 4.0 grade point average, and do you, I don't know how many people have scored a perfect score on the math portion of the SAT. Uh, it would not be me. I mean, it, it, thankfully, Limestone College in Gaffney was willing to take me uh, as a student and even give me a scholarship to play the trumpet when my SAT score in math was really bad because I I just math's not what I do. Uh, It's what I run from, and I get others to help me. I can do something, but I can't do that. But a perfect score on the SAT portion? Anyway, after their son's death, the Stacks found a video of Johnny dabbing and driving on his phone. Dabbing is a slang term for consuming high-potency marijuana that is sold in a wax form legally at Colorado uh, marijuana dispensaries. John Stacks said his son had become psychotic. Now, here's the paragraph that I want you to pay attention to, because a lot of you are saying, well, that's recreational. That's recreational. You're you're, you're mixing these two, and that's what y'all do. You people that don't like marijuana, you, you just mix it. Listen to me. Listen to this paragraph. The Stacks learned that their son was able to get a medical marijuana card shortly after turning 18, and believe that opened the door to him experimenting with dabbing. Laura Stack said, I don't think most parents understand this is a different marijuana that we're talking about. And it is different. Marijuana purchased on the black market illegally decades ago generally had a potency of between 3 to 5% THC. There are concentrates available not only in Colorado. It's, we're talking about Colorado here. But these are available in other states that have migrated from medical to recreational marijuana. Concentrates available in, all, in Colorado that can be up to 90% THC. Um So, here we have a young man with a brilliant future, a bright future. He starts by getting a medical marijuana card, and then he ends up dabbing, which is basically getting the highest concentration of THC that he can into his body. He becomes psychotic, which is something that the CDC says is a danger for young people at using marijuana. And he jumps off a building, commits suicide at nineteen. Now, a couple of other things that the CDC says about the risks of using marijuana, and I, I raise these all the time. Other people raise these. The South Carolina Medical Association sled. These are agencies in South Carolina that push back against medical marijuana and getting that bill passed. But but here's here's the Centers for Dis- and I know CDC, a lot of people, you just tune me out, but not everything that the CDC says is bogus. They've collected a lot of information and combined research, particularly on drug use. Medical marijuana, here's marijuana use disorder. Approximately three in 10 people who use marijuana have marijuana use disorder. Some signs and symptoms, include trying but failing to quit, giving up important activities with friends or family in, face of, in, the, in favor of using marijuana. The risk of developing marijuana use disorder is stronger in people who start using marijuana during youth or adolescence and who use marijuana more frequently. Well, that obviously that makes sense. In other words, you're more likely to get addicted to it if you start young and then continually increase the amount that you use. What about brain health? Marijuana use directly affects brain function, specifically the parts of the brain responsible for memory, learning, attention, decision-making, coordination, emotions, and reaction time. Developing brains, such as those in babies, children, and teenagers, are especially susceptible to the harmful effects of marijuana and THC. What about heart health? Marijuana can make the heart beat faster. It can make blood pressure higher immediately after use. Now, does this sound like something, if if you're suffering already from uh, some physical ailment that is causing pain or nausea, um, elevating your heart rate and blood pressure, does that sound like a good idea to anybody? I mean, it it, it doesn't sound like it to me, because those are medical conditions that can lead to death. Um, It could also lead to increased risk of stroke, heart disease, and other vascular diseases. Driving. Marijuana, like alcohol, negatively affects several skills required for safe driving. It can slow slow reaction time and the ability to make decisions. It can distort perception. In other words, you don't want somebody, you don't want to be out on the highway driving your car and meet somebody who's under the influence of marijuana. Because they may suddenly decide that your car, that they're at a a track somewhere where they're in a demolition derby and they decide to take your car out. Now that's a, I made that up, okay, obviously. But I'm just saying that perception, marijuana can cause your perceptions to be distorted. And that's not something you want to see on the highway. Here's a, this is a big one to me. These, these next two lung health. Smoked marijuana, regardless of how it's smoked, can harm lung tissues and cause scarring and damage to small blood vessels. While more research on the health consequences of breathing secondhand marijuana smoke is needed, there is a concern that it could cause harmful health effects, including among children. You understand, this is what was being said about the tobacco industry 50 years ago, or 40 years ago. We, We were beginning to understand the danger of smoking cigarettes. So now, you know, if you smoke a cigarette, we know the health hazards of cigarette smoke. And the truth is, marijuana smoke has a lot of the same bad things in it that tobacco smoke has. So when you're smoking marijuana, you're not, I I mean, when you're smoking a cigarette, you're not affecting your brain, except the nicotine. I mean, it can cause some effects. But smoking marijuana um, actually affects the brain. That's where we're going to get to mental health here in a second. And at the same time, it affects your body, all in a negative way. Why in the world would we refer to that as medical, as a medical use? CBD oils? Yeah. I mean, there's there's some medical... And and as I said before, there are already prescription drugs out there that can be used to treat nausea and to treat pain that use the CBD uh, components of marijuana that that actually help people, but they don't have to smoke it. They don't have to get high in order to get those benefits. Mental health. Marijuana has been linked to social anxiety, depression, and schizophrenia a type of mental illness where people might see or hear things that aren't really there. Scientists don't fully yet understand the relationships between these mental health disorders and marijuana use, but there's there's plenty of evidence already that's that's pointing to this. And so we and, and people a lot of times just just ignore that part. People who use marijuana are more likely to develop temporary psychosis, that is not knowing what's real. They Paranoia, hallucinations, long-lasting mental disorders, we just said, schizophrenia. Uh, schizophrenia. The, the association between this is stronger in people who start using marijuana at an earlier age and use marijuana more frequently. So all of these things... Now, let's let's talk about Colorado. We started out talking about Colorado and a young man at 19 years old who committed suicide. Let's look at some of the the impact that the legalization of marijuana has had in Colorado. This is according to the National Library of Medicine, the National Center for Biotechnology Information. Um, The Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Program has published annual reports every year since 2013 tracking the impact of legalizing recreational marijuana in Colorado. And I, I know we're talking about medical marijuana in South Carolina, but... We're talking about 270 cannabis pharmacies, 30 manufacturing centers, 15 growing centers. Again, does anybody think that that's going to be limited to medical? So here's let's, let's take it a section at a time. Traffic uh, fatalities and impaired driving. Since recreational marijuana was legalized, traffic deaths in which drivers tested positive for marijuana increased 109% while all Colorado traffic deaths increased just 31%. So, obviously, smoking marijuana and getting on the highway, it's causing a significant increase, over 100%, in traffic deaths among marijuana users. Since recreational marijuana was legalized, traffic deaths involving drivers who tested positive for marijuana more than doubled from 55 in 2013 to 115 killed in 2018. This equates to one person killed every three days in 2018. Since uh, recreational marijuana was legalized, the percentage of all Colorado traffic deaths that were marijuana-related increased from 15% in 2013 to 23% in 2018. All right, Uh, marijuana use in Colorado. Let's look at public health. The yearly number of emergency department visits related to marijuana increased 54% after the legalization of recreational marijuana. The yearly number of marijuana-related hospitalizations increased 101% after the legalization of recreational marijuana. Marijuana Marijuana-only exposures more than quadrupled in the six-year average since recreational marijuana was legalized compared to the six-year average prior to legalization – And the percent of suicide incidents, like we talked about, this 19-year-old in Colorado, the percent of suicide incidents in which toxicology results were positive for marijuana has increased from 14% to 23%. And if you look at the black market, 192 felony arrests, 6.8 tons of marijuana seized. This is black market. Stuff while you legalize marijuana, you with it. Why do you got a black market? Because people don't want it to pay taxes on it, and mar- the black market's not just simply going to wrap up and walk away just because you're selling it legally. Sixty thousand ninety one marijuana plants sealed, twenty five different states where um, uh, d- where marijuana was destined. In other words, marijuana being shipped out of Colora- Colorado to twenty five different states. So all of this and, and the t- social impact in Colorado, marijuana tax revenue represents pro- approximately nine-tenths of 1% of Colorado's fiscal year 2018 budget. 64% of local jurisdictions in Colorado have banned medical and recreational marijuana businesses because they've come to the conclusion that it's just it, it's not good. It's hurting the people, hurting their communities. So these are just some things that we really need to think about when we think about whether we want any kind of marijuana use in the state of South Carolina. And I and I'm I'm going to wrap up there. We're going to come back. We'll talk some more about this, but I I've got some other topics I need to get to today. But let let me just end with this. I'm going to emphasize this again. This is not a bill S423 is Everybody's going to tell you, South Carolina will never go the recreational route of marijuana. And I'm telling you, the money that's being spent to push this, the people that are involved are not interested in the type of financial benefit that would come simply from medical marijuana use. This is going full-fledged recreational. And we're going to see the same kind of things, if not more, than the state of colorado eventually i mean it's it's amazing that we actually have a model we can it's not like we're living in a box somewhere and we don't know what ma- what marijuana use can do we can look at states that have already done it and i think if we do that we'll see that south carolina doesn't want to look like doesn't want to look like one of those states okay um, a couple of other things that we need to get to today let me look over here. Uh, Davos. Uh, you've got the World Economic Forum going on in Davos. And the World Economic Forum is a little bit worried about its. It, it's got a PR problem because it understands that people that get it know that that the World Economic Forum is a bunch of elites lecturing the rest of us about how we need to sit down and shut up and we need to let them run the world. And we need to listen to everything that they say, and we need to shape our world based on the conversation of these elites. And this year, in order to kind of mitigate that a little bit, they, it's not that they're really listening, I don't think, to people who would come in and say that, hey, you got a problem here. But you know, I, they did invite some conservative thinkers, some more conservative thinkers, to speak and to actually have a platform and to challenge some of the elites in Davos. Now, before we get to that, I want to play just a little bit. You're not going to be able to see this, so it's not going to have the same impact as if you could see it. But this is, um, and by the way, this is taking place, Davos in in Switzerland. Um, This this particular cut that I'm going to play here was built as an exercise in cross-cultural competence. Uh, But I, I don't even, you've got a person who is, Doing some type of chant, and and believe me, I'm people. I have respect for people's culture and religions, uh, religious beliefs. Um, but I guess COVID has long ago stopped to be a pro. It ceased to be a problem at Davos because what this person is doing is some type of chant where she uses her hands. And blows into them. That's the the best description that I can give you. And then goes and and actually blows or makes a, a blowing sound on the heads of all these people that are lined up on the stage at this particular forum at Davo in Davos. And so I, I this is some of the stuff that's going on. there. before we hear some of the good stuff, listen to this.
1: Nah, and she's rubbing her hands together.
0: Now, that sounds like a cough that she's doing in her hands. Now, she leaves her platform and goes to the first person and she's doing this it looks like on their forehead where she's making yes on on the forehead of of each person and so i'm i and when i'm seeing this and that's another thing. when i'm seeing this you know what i'm thinking immediately is i'm thinking whoa what happened to you know if if you get this close to someone uh you you you're, you're, you're going to die of covid and yet no mask no you, you've actually got somebody that is making a coughing sound in their hand, and then going person to person, um, and making that sound what that appears to be on their forehead while putting their hands on their forehead. This is this is the World Economic Forum, so there's stuff like this going on. Now, now I'm not saying the whole thing is like that, but that that just gives you you know a little bit of the flavor. Now they they actually invited. As I said, some conservatives because they were concerned about the fact that they've, you know, that they've, they're kind of losing their, um, the 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 confidence of a lot of conservatives. They know, they know they got a PR problem, so they got the new president of Argentina to come, Javier Malut, who really really laid out the elites in Davos and i want you to hear a little bit of what he had to say
1: thank you very much today i'm here to tell you that the western world is in danger and it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the west are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Wow. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points.
0: Wow. Now, that rocked Davos. That sent, you know, chills down the World Economic Forum because you've got a bunch of elites, and they're spouting collectivism, the value of it. As, as, the, as the new president of Argentina says... This is the path that leads to socialism, which is the path that leads to poverty, which is the path that leads to a group of elites telling everybody else how they have to live. And he pushed back on that and was given the opportunity to do so. Somebody else that was at Davos that did the same thing, that had the opportunity to push back, is the president of the Heritage Foundation, who was invited, again, sort of as a token conservative to be able to speak to uh, the people at the World economic Forum this is Kevin Roberts and I, I want you to listen to his his opening he was he was very candid with the people um, and all, just like the president of Argentina and this is very refreshing to hear this kind of thing being spoken at the World economic Forum the kind of person and I'll be candid here because I think I've been invited here to be candid. <laughs> the kind of person who will come into the next conservative administration is going to be governed by one principle, and that is destroying the grasp that political elites and unelected technocrats have over the average person. And if I may, I will be candid and say that the agenda that every single member of the administration needs to have is to compile a list of everything that's ever been proposed at the World Economic Forum and object (laughs) all of them wholesale. Anyone not prepared to do that and take away this power of the unelected bureaucrats and give it back to the American people is unprepared to be part of the next conservative administration. Excellent. Kevin Roberts and the president of Argentina making essentially the same point in different ways, saying that it's the people who are supposed to have the power that's the way democracy is supposed to work. That's the way, especially our constitutional republic here in the United States is supposed to work. That we It begins with we the people, not they the elites. And they the elites in Davos think that the rest of us, as I said earlier, just need to sit down, shut up, and let them run the world. And now we've got people like Kevin Roberts and the president of Argentina stepping up and saying, the West is threatened. The West is not getting better because of collectivism and socialism that's being embraced in the West. In fact, we can see the f- effects. We can look around the world and see the effects of collectivism and socialism, and why in the world would we embrace those things in the West once we see the destruction that they brought everywhere around the world? And so thankfully, some good voices at the World Economic Forum that... we we need to listen to. Uh, Roberts is exactly right. If whoever is the president of the United States next is going to have to push back against socialism and collectivism because they're becoming ingrained in the mindset of people in the West and leading us down a path that's going to take us to uh, eventually to destruction. All right, there's a new poll out in New Hampshire that we need to talk about here for a minute. New GOP primary poll out of the Granite State. This is according to National Review. By the way, that uh, clip is courtesy of that I played of Kevin Roberts was courtesy of Daily Signal, and the other that I played of the president, uh, president of Argentina um, that came. Let's see. I think it came off of Twitter. Yeah. All right. Um, this new poll it has Trump twenty nine points ahead of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, and also about 15 points ahead of Governor Haley. 50% of respondents in the Suffolk University NBC Boston Globe poll say that they support Trump. So Trump got 50% of the vote in Iowa, 52%, I think, to be specific. Now he's over 50% in New Hampshire, while 34% said they support Haley. So 50%, she has got she's trailing him by 16 points at the moment. Um, And just 5% backed DeSantis. 3% chose another candidate. 6% were undecided. 2% refused to answer. 54% of Haley voters said their vote was in favor of Haley rather than against Trump. Another 37% said their support of Haley represented a vote against Trump. The poll found voters seem to have already made up their minds. 87% of respondents saying that they're not at all likely or not very likely to change their mind. So there you go. I mean, it looks to me like you're going to have Trump with a big win in New Hampshire. He's going to follow that up with a big win in South Carolina, likely. Um, Ron DeSantis is campaigning hard. Uh, Nikki Haley campaigning hard. Uh, She believes, uh, obviously, I think that her best shot is going to be New Hampshire and South Carolina. Um, Ron DeSantis is putting a lot more emphasis on South Carolina. Because they're, they're, there are a lot of conservatives in New Hampshire, don't get me wrong. But if you get all the moderate candidates, if you get all the moderate vote, then that, can, that voting block can be substantial. But it's not going to be enough, I don't think, to put uh, Governor Haley over the line in New Hampshire or in South Carolina. And DeSantis's problem, quite frankly, is he can't peel enough votes, enough conservative votes, away from Donald Trump to gain traction. Looked like his campaign was going to do that in the beginning, but in the end, he just hasn't been able to connect with the American people the way Donald Trump has. Uh, uh, since about there was there was a window of opportunity. If you go back and look at the polling in February, uh, beginning of March um, of last year, uh, you had DeSantis polling at 30% plus. And then the indictments began to fall. And with ever, every indictment, DeSantis lost support and Trump gained support. I mean, that's just, that's kind of, that, that's the way that it's been. And that right now there just doesn't appear to be a path for anybody to the nomination for the Republican side other than Donald Trump. And he's had that path wrapped up for a while. All right, according to the Wall Street Journal, we've got a spending deal. Congress cleared legislation extending government funding into March, which really what we have is a continuing resolution uh, to kick the can of problems down the road a little bit, a step that ensures federal workers, according to the Wall Street Journal, will remain on the job but does nothing to alleviate underlying political pressures stemming from high U.S. debt levels, record crossings at the southern border, and an enduring war in Ukraine. Now, that's not to mention anything going on in the Middle East. Uh, The Senate passed the measure 77 to 18, followed by House approval at 314 to 108. The two votes send the measure to President Biden's desk with time to spare ahead of the weekend deadline. In a replay of recent votes that underscore the fragility of the GOP majority, House Speaker Mike Johnson relied heavily on Democrats to bring the continuing resolution across the finish line, with almost half of Republicans declining to back the measure. Now the reason that a lot of Republicans didn't vote for it is because they wanted, in this in whatever resolution that we got, they wanted some guarantees that the border is going to be addressed, that something significant is going to happen at the border, but they got nothing, and that's why a lot of these republic a lot of Republicans it took Democrats to get it across the line. The extension is designed to give congressional leaders time to hammer out a full. Year fiscal 2024 spending bill. Actually, there's 12 separate appropriations bills with an overall price tag of 1.66 trillion, which was a level that was agreed to the earlier this month by leaders of both Democrats and Republicans. Um, Biden hosted lawmakers at the White House on Wednesday, with attendees saying talks were productive and floating the idea of a possible vote on a combined border Ukraine bill in the Senate. Next week, but the House Republicans have remained skeptical of any deal that falls short of of the border bill they passed last year with no Democrat support. Now, if we're going to get a a a spending bill that sends any type of military aid to Ukraine, to Israel, um, and by the way, in that spending bill is money to replenish some of the assets that the United States have used and have have sent overseas, and are using in Ukraine and sending to Israel. Uh, You know, when we deplete our stockpile, then that threatens our national security. And we need need the money to purchase and to manufacture enough offensive weapons and defensive weapons to make sure that our stockpiles are ready should this war widen and the United States have to take a more active role. so, you know when it when it comes to getting what Republicans want, there's no way that they're going to get the bill that they put h two. I think it was h two that was passed last year. and it's it's a good immigration bill. I mean, it's a strong immigration bill. It's a bill that would overhaul immigration in this country and immediately put restrictions that would f- stem the flow of illegal immigration coming across the border. We need that bill, but we cannot pass it with a a Democrat-controlled Senate. So we're going to have to get concessions. We're going to have to have maybe some elements of border security, but they have to be meaningful before there can be a deal in the House to support a bill that would send further aid to Ukraine. Because, look, a lot of these House Republicans are saying that they're hearing from their constituents, and I get it, you know. Why are we spending all this money overseas and we're doing nothing to prevent the national security issue we have that's pouring illegal immigrants over the border, over the southern border. That is something that affects us here directly. It's not that I don't I don't think most conservatives are opposed to helping Ukraine as long as we have accountability as to where the money and the assets are going. But I think there are a lot of people who think that we can't continue to have a blank check when we're just basically writing no check to put checks and balances at the border to try to stop the flow of illegal immigrants that is historic. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the Senate comes up with, and it's also going to be interesting to see whether or not Michael Johnson is going to survive this because he had to get this continuing resolution Without any concessions on the border, he had to turn to Democrats, and that's exactly what happened to McCarthy. That's why he lost his job. Kevin McCarthy was out when he turned to the Democrats. And I don't – I mean – or will Republicans do that again? We'll have to see. Conservatives, according to the Wall Street Journal, are unhappy that after winning control of the House in 2022, they've been unable to reverse a nearly $1.7 trillion fiscal 2023 spending law passed while Democrats had full control of Congress. Last year's Fiscal Responsibility Act that nominally set spending at $1.59 trillion in fiscal 2023 was enacted after McCarthy and Biden made a handshake agreement to spend an additional $69 billion beyond what was written into the statute. Hardline Republicans are angered that Johnson went on to honor that handshake deal. Doesn't matter who's sitting in the Speaker's seat or who has the majority. We keep doing the same stupid stuff, said Representative Chip Roy of Texas, a leader of the Hardline House Freedom Caucus. Democrats said some House Republicans have needlessly dragged the government to the brink of shutdowns. Well, of course they're going to say that. I mean, this is at this point, it's an election year. Everything that comes out of these guys' mouths are going to relate to at whether it helps or hurts candidates that are running all the way across the board, from the Senate, a third of the Senate, the entire House, and the presidency, all on the table coming this year. So this is another reason it's making it hard to address some of these serious problems that we have in the country. We essentially have a non-functioning government. I mean, when you have to walk right up to the deadline and then just simply authorize enough money to get to the next deadline, that's not a functioning government. At, or at least it's barely functioning. It's it's outrageous. And so don't know what's going to happen when the de- next deadline hits, but it's going to be hard the closer we get. this The next deadline's going to be in March. The closer we get... To the election in November, the harder it's going to be to actually come up with a budget deal and to get anything done at the border. I just don't see, with such a slim majority in the House, getting major concessions. If we get some concessions, to me, it, it just makes sense to get what you can with a slim majority and then work all the more harder to win the majority back to get the Senate, to get the House, to win the White House. That needs to be the focus and to get some concessions along the way from Democrats. All right, that's all the time that we've got for today. I appreciate you listening to the program, and I appreciate you spreading the word about the program. If you would do that for me, that would be great because we're still continuing to grow the show. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Um, It's going to be an inside weekend. You might want to use your inside voices this weekend because 31. I think 31 is going to be the high tomorrow, and we got some really cold temperatures going to be. We're going to be dealing with, so stay warm, and I'll see you Monday morning at 7:30.